Well, this morning we're going to talk about uh, faith and love, and it's one of my favorite uh, studies, I guess you'd call it, in the Word of God. It's amazing how many times when you look at the Bible, you find the words faith and love together. In fact, let's start out, uh, I was going to start in Mark 11, but let's start out in Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. We'll read um, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 17. Uh, We'll actually um, pray this prayer as we start out. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23, we find one of uh, the best uh, prayers, I think, in the Word of God. And uh, there's many things that we could pray for. There's many things we could ask for, especially this time of the year. Uh, as Leah was saying, we talk about, especially with children, many gifts, many natural things. And uh, we can ask for those. And uh, the Bible uh, says that we can have the desires of our heart and those type of things. But the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pray these prayers for the church at Ephesus. They're spirit-anointed prayers and they're spirit-given prayers. And these prayers are really heart prayers. And if you get these things, everything else will kind of come along and come together, and uh, it's amazing what you can get. So many times we wonder, what should I pray for? You know, every day it's important for a believer every day to spend time in the Word of God and in the presence of God. We don't want to just read words uh, of the Bible like a, a history book, but these words are alive and they're living. And the only way that they come alive to us is by the Holy Spirit. He takes the things of Christ, the things of God, the things of Christ, reminds us of them, and then makes them real to us. In other words, makes them tangible. Like, have you ever been reading the Word of God, and you see something in there, and you're like, whoa, this is really true. And I'll be like, Melody, do you see this? Do you see this? And she's like, what? And so I'll read it to her. And she's like, oh, that's cool. And you can tell, like, (laughs) okay, it's not hitting her the same way that it hit me. And, um, you know... That's because the Holy Spirit is bringing light and understanding and revelation and making the Word of God real, tangible, touchable, everyday life. Like, oh, can you see this? Do you feel it? It's like you can, you ever had it? Uh, you know, actually, the scripture that, uh, that we had to move out here on, we had many other experiences, but one of the scriptures that we had was what Jesus said. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the multitudes scattered as sheep without a shepherd. And I read that, and it just jumped off the, I want to say the page, but it was just a computer screen. It jumped off the screen to me. And it was like, you know, 3D, like you could reach out and touch it. And so many times when the Holy Spirit shows you something, that's how it is. He shows you something that you can reach out and touch and grab hold of. And if we do, then we put that into our lives, and that revelation that he has brought to us, to our understanding, we can then do it and be effective in it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And, uh, you know, literally in the Greek, it says faith comes by the rhema of Christos, which is rhema is the spoken word that's alive to you that you see and like touch, tangible, touchable, um, under the anointing. Christos, Christ is just the anointed one and his anointing. So anytime you see Jesus Christ, Christ is not really his last name. Christ means Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing. And, uh, you know, we have the spirit of Christ if we're born again. So in Ephesians chapter 1, we see uh, this prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And if you want to pray a prayer for your family, for your loved ones, if you want to see someone change and grow, I would encourage you to take Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23, and Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and start praying those prayers.
every day, and you'll begin to see a change uh, for, a, for a believer. Um, if you want to pray for a non-believer, there's some other uh, ways to pray for them. But this prayer right here in verse 16 says, uh, Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, or the margin says the might of his power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Now that is an amazing prayer. And that's a prayer that you should pray for yourself and I should pray for myself and that I pray for our church. And I've prayed that prayer for years and years and years. And uh, probably about four or five years ago, I was praying that prayer, opened my Bible to it, and I have it memorized, but a lot of times I like to just let my eyes fall on it, see it. And um, <clears throat> so I was praying that prayer, and uh, then I, I've just backed up to verse 15, and it says, Wherefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints. Then he said, I cease not to give thanks for you. And I thought, whoa, you know, the Lord kind of drew my attention to that. I said, did you notice that? Excuse me. And I, I said, no, I didn't. I never noticed that before. And I saw like faith and love are together. And the Lord said, you know, you know, just a still small inward witness uh, talking to me. I said, did you notice Paul prayed that after he saw their faith and love? Then he started praying for them. So um, many times we want to access the revelation of God and see how God sees and know what God knows, but uh, we don't access it by faith and love. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, or uh, I think it's 14 rather, talks about you can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, you can have all knowledge and understand great mysteries and secrets and uh, you can even give up your whole body to be burned. You can give all your money to the poor. And if you do any of that without the motivation of love, without love being the inspiration from which those acts occur, if you counted it up and added it up, it would amount to nothing. I kind of wonder in um, you know, the day of judgment, if that's the stuff like, that will be like wood and burn away and not be purified like by gold. you know, um, Because... It's real easy to get um, focused on works apart from love. Well, we're not supposed to have, like, love. Like, imagine if you had faith and you didn't do anything about it. What does the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. So actually, you still have faith. It's just dead faith. It's like you got this dead body sitting in your living room doing nothing, but you could like revive it from the dead. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I think it's today's English translation says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. So uh, there's two ways talking about faith. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the Greek, there's a play on the words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, not having heard. So when we've already heard something, uh, like maybe a message on faith or a message on love or a message on grace or a message on prosperity or a message on uh, deliverance, uh, your natural, maybe I won't talk about you, my natural flesh wants to be like, I have already heard that. Can you give me something new? Can you give me something I have not heard before? And, uh, but faith doesn't come because I heard it. Faith comes by hearing, like constant, like right now I'm hearing it. I'm hearing. That's why every day we need to be in the word of God and in the presence of God and uh, understanding and one of, my, one of the best illustrations I can give of that is if you've ever been like uh, to the ocean or maybe even a river, and uh, I, I like the thought of the ocean because you can see like a constant wave coming in, washing over, washing over, washing over. You find a piece of glass, which actually seems pretty hard, but it's actually pretty moldable when it gets in water. And if it's been in there for any length of time, if it had sharp edges, if it was broken glass, it'll be smoothed over. Well, my mother-in-law... Uh, and father-in-law and myself and my wife were up in um, northern Minnesota when Melody was pregnant with our, our first child, Evie. And we're at a state park. And uh, so we're uh, hiking through the state park, and uh, it's her first baby. So, I mean, I, I, we were married only for five years, I think, at that point, which is, which is a good length of time to have children. It's wonderful. Uh, but you're still, I'm still getting to know her. So I didn't know her pregnant at all, right? So she always loved, she was, um, she would climb anything. And uh, this last weekend we went to a, the uh, last couple of days we went to a cabin with Jeremy and Leah, some friends and stuff for Thanksgiving. And my daughter, who's like her mother, walked in and there's this stone fireplace. And the first thing she does is she like starts to try to climb this fireplace. Well, that's how Melody always was. And we'd been to parks in that area before. And first thing she does is she wants to climb. Well, we get there. And um, I'm like, you're going to climb? And she's like, I don't know. I, you know, I might fall. I thought, she's never been like that. She can get up on the highest lift. In Bible school, she used to um, uh, hang Christmas lights from a cherry picker. And so she's up there hanging lights and everything. And I guess it's that battery-powered, the cherry picker, or gas-powered. Anyhow, they ran out of whatever energy source that that thing has. And so she's up there, and um, it's dead. So she climbs down like the the bar thing that holds it up. And uh, so she's never been like that, but she was there. So we're hiking, having a good time. <clears throat> and we come to this place in the, in the river, and the riverbed was like all rock. And so the river's coming down, and it's pouring through. And this was in the fall of the year, so it wasn't uh, <clears throat> super overrun. But we went, and there was this really cool, like, cavern. Uh, probably the opening was probably like this big. And then down in it, it was probably about four or five foot high, so you could actually crawl into it because the water was down and everything. And So I crawled into that thing, and um, down in there was this rock, but it looked like a miniature bowling ball, like, you know, those plastic bowling sets you have for little kids and stuff like that. It was about that size, but it was that round. The rock was that round. Well, what had happened is the water ran over it, uh, over that hole, and a rock was in there, and so it would spin like a tornado, because you could actually see there were a few other spots like that where there was still water uh, flowing over it, and you could see these tornadoes in the water. And um, so you could see that this rock had been tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and tumbled, and all smoothed out. Well, uh, we being American, like fast everything, fast food, you know, fast money, 
uh, fast cars maybe. And um, we want everything like yesterday. But the Word of God, if you stay under the Word of God and you keep hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, you'll find out that like that diamond in the rough starts to shine and you start to see things and it starts to look amazing. And as we put ourselves under the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit uh, to show things to us and to help us to grow, that we begin to be molded and shaped more and more into the image of God. Because man's a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And um, we should let our spirits dominate us. Our spirits, when you're born again, that's what's recreated. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, or 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we allow the Spirit of God uh, to dominate us, He dominates us by our spirits. We yield to Him. And we say, okay, Holy Spirit, have your way. And then, you know, Romans talks about this. And this is not study, a study in that, so we're not going to turn there right now. But it talks about if you live by the flesh, you'll die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. You'll have life. And so when you're born again, we are to be spirit people that live out of our spirits. And we keep our body under, like Paul said, I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection. Lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In other words, I should be disqualified because I didn't keep my body under. I'm up here preaching, but I didn't keep my body under. I uh, let it rise up. So what's it like when your body's not under? That means like your flesh is calling the shots. So... Uh, eating maybe is one of the best things to think of the week after Thanksgiving or the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Like, you know, did you let your body call the shots? You know, no, uh, I'm not looking at anybody or myself. <clears throat> but it's real easy to do that. You know, when you think of eating, it's a, it's a good example to uh, kind of um, grab hold of and see. Uh, and then your mind, James tells us that we are to be renew, renewing our minds. Actually, Romans tells us to renew our minds, and James tells us the saving of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so, by the word of God. So, when you're born again, your spirit's made brand new, like instantly. Brand new spirit. Never sinned, never messed up, after the likeness and image of God. Um, but our minds are not immediately transformed. Romans says that you're actually, the Greek word is metamorphosis, metamorphosis, it's not, it's the same word for metamorphosis. And um, by the word of God, we can transform our minds. Somebody said, the most holy saint of God has had thoughts in his heart, in his mind that his heart regretted. So, and um, <clears throat> Brother Hagen, a minister we used to travel with and uh, father in the faith, really learned a lot from, uh, he used to say, you know, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest there. In other words, you're going to have lots of thoughts, lots of opportunities. Uh, that doesn't mean that those are your thoughts. And to, in fact, typically what happens is the devil will bring thoughts to people and they'll grab hold of them as if they're theirs and confess that they're theirs, and then they'll have what they say. So let's pray this uh, prayer together real quick, and then we'll go on to Mark 11. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 22. <clears throat> we'll start with verse uh, 17. Three, two, one, read. Father, we ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, 
that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of your power to usward who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And you have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for that prayer. Mark 11, uh, verse 22. And Jesus answering said to them, this is after the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree, it withered, they're coming back by, and they look and they're like, Master, look, the tree that you cursed is withered. In other words, like, you said it and it came to pass. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. There's so much in this verse of Scripture Uh, but it's really one of the best verses of Scripture that we can look at about having faith in God. Like, what is faith, and how does faith work, and what does faith do? So we see that Jesus said, when they saw these results, they saw the natural world change. And they're asking, like, how did that happen? I've never seen that before, they're saying. Like, you know, obviously they're saying that because um, no man ever spoke like he spoke. There was power in his words and uh, authority in his words. Authority and power go together. So you find out that the words of Jesus were spoken as someone like that designed and created something would speak. So, you know, I'm working on my uh, other job. I'm working on um, finishing up a television upgrade from standard definition to high definition. So there's some people there that know some stuff about it, and they'll say, well, it does this, it this, this, that, or whatever. And then I'll be there, and sometimes I'm in the same room, and I'll hear them, somebody ask, hey, does it do this? And they'll say, well, yeah, it does. Well, Tim, does it do that? Because they had me engineer the thing and put it together. So um, you'll find like someone that is the creator or someone that's putting it together, somebody that's designing it, when they speak about it, Wow, it's amazing. I'm not saying that it's that amazing when I'm speaking about that system. I'm just saying that compared to what they're saying. But Jesus Christ, you know, we learned that he was the creator. He was there in the beginning and he created. So when he begins to speak to things that he created, things happen. The same thing, we, you know, we learned, we looked a few weeks ago at this, that um, he said, have faith in God. The margin says, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith, the same faith that God has. Jesus is telling us, have that kind of faith. Because God had that kind of faith in the beginning, and he spoke, and creation came forth. So uh, they're saying, how did this happen? How did this change? And he said, have the faith of God. Uh, I like the Lord. 
because he doesn't many times say what we think he's going to say or how he's going to say it or answer the question the way we want the question answered. He answers it the way that there's truth and revelation and love. And uh, we a lot of times want, you know, just like, you know, I don't want to hear about that. Tell me this. You know, I have a friend that was um, um, traveling with a uh, minister, a uh, friend of mine, kind of a mentor in the faith, and um, they're traveling and uh, riding on an airplane, and uh, he kept asking all these questions. Well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and uh, oh, my bag's in the back, so I don't have it out here, but the, uh, uh, you know, it was Pastor Mark Hankins was the, his mentor, you know, he's also a father in the faith to us, and he finally got this little book called The Greatest Thing in the World by Henry Drummond, which we've quoted from a few weeks, and uh, said, here, read this. And so the guy said, okay, cool, thank you. Put it in his bag and started asking questions again and again and again. <laughs> and uh, he said, read the book. And so a lot of times we don't want to hear like, you know, you know, you need to focus on walking in love. You know, we want to hear like, no, 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 like, you don't understand. Here's what these people are doing. Here's what happened. What should be done? Yeah. Walk in love. And uh, a lot of times the Lord will do that to us, where we're kind of like, okay, Lord, you know, my family is, they're treating me terrible, and, you know, what can I do to help them understand that you should not treat people that way, that you should do this or you should do that? And the Lord's like, you know, look at this, look at this. And um, I'll give an example uh, from myself. So I was on staff at that church in Michigan for nine years as an associate pastor, and you know, it's a church of like, they probably have 10,000 members or something like that. I don't know. The attendance is like 6,500 to 7,000 people a week. So uh, they don't really do membership numbers because membership numbers can be way all over the place. Anyhow, let's just say 7,000 people. So they have like 7,000 people. There's a lot of pastors on staff. I was one of 26 associate pastors, if that puts things in perspective. And um, that breaks down. I'm a numbers guy. So that breaks down to like 350 people to one pastor. Sometimes people in smaller churches be like, oh my goodness, why would you ever need that many pastors? But, you know, there's a lot to care for and to do and includes the youth pastors and the worship pastors and so on and so forth. So I was there and in an organization that large, many times there'll be things going on that maybe aren't God's best. And so there were some things happening and I was walking through the auditorium and I remember exactly where I was in the auditorium. And um, I was thinking about some of these things that weren't really God's best. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, the scripture came where Paul said to Timothy, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And I thought, hmm, that's true. And I can think of a few of them, of a few of them right now that are thinking of their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Uh, because, you know, you have uh, politics tries to get in uh, the church just like any other place. Actually, the the church in Jesus' time was super political because, like, the authorities in the nation and the authorities in the church were, like, one. They were together. You had the Roman government, other things like that. But uh, it's easy for that to happen. And uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, you know, and the Lord said, yeah, yeah. And um, then the Lord said, well, what about you? And I said, well, no, not me. <laughs> of course not me. And, uh, you know, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And uh, then as I'm, I'm just standing there, and this whole conversation is going on on the inside, and uh, I said, well, maybe, 
you know, after he said it like three times. I said, well, maybe. And then that really was a, a turning point in my probably ministry life. And uh, I started to look and I thought, wait a minute, if your word says, if Paul was inspired by your spirit and he said, all men seek their own, I guess all men would include me and it would include you and you and you and you and everyone else there, right? And it would include all of us here. Uh, and so I just took that to be like, the natural tendency of all men is to seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. And he said, but Timothy, I don't have anyone, I have no one that thinks like him, like-minded, who will naturally care for your state. So I started to meditate on that and learn that and said, okay, so if I'm going to seek the things of Christ, I'm going to naturally, out of the inside of me, care for the state of other people. And so I'm going to seek the things of, of, of God and of Christ. And if you look at the book of Philippians, it really starts out talking about, wow, what an amazing church you are. But you have one thing, like you're not unified. You all have like amazing revelation, amazing understanding, but you're doing your own thing. So you're kind of like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. In the midst of that, Paul says to Timothy, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. So um, a lot of times we want to uh, have the Lord like side in with us. If you look at uh, uh, when people come in for a ministry appointment or you might call it counseling or whatever you would call it to meet with a minister or a pastor or a leader, uh, Think of a married couple that's having difficulties. Uh, a lot of the time what they want is someone to agree with them, not really to tell them what the Word of God says. And um, we would have at that church, we'd have people come forward and, and pray during the worship uh, period. You'd pray with them if they wanted prayer. And um, uh, like I've said before, the most common prayer request that I ever had was like people are stressed out and worried and they want you to pray for them. And I always say like, well, I would love to pray for you, but... I can't get rid of your worry. I can't get rid of your stress. The Bible says in Philippians that you have to cast or roll all of your cares over on him because he cares for you. Uh, but they would want you to side in and say like, oh, isn't that terrible? And what's going on? And da, 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 da. And you know, I'm like, well, that's not a good situation, but let's get it into the hands of the Lord so he can do something with it. Because you're like holding so tightly to it that uh, the Lord is not a demon. You know, demons will like force and push and take over and control. And uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, he's a perfect gentleman. And we have to yield to him. In fact, if you uh, are not careful, you'll miss what he's saying. Right? I could have missed so easily when I'm standing there what he was saying because I could have been so focused on, uh, in my eyes, what I thought other people were doing wrong. You know, and maybe legitimately so, and maybe not legitimately so, uh, because uh, many times our perspective is not the case. I, I told the story a few weeks ago when Brother Hagen was at a church, and um, <clears throat> they were having services, and things were going along, but kind of like dead, not really a lot going on, and I think he'd been there for two or three weeks, and it was in, into about the second, second and a half week, and uh, something happened in the service, and this guy got up and um, started uh, being used of the Spirit of God. And the whole thing changed. Anointing fell. Lives were being changed. Things were happening. And uh, Brother Hagin went back to his room and was, started thinking about this. And he started getting stirred up about it. Like, well, you know, Lord, why would you use him? You know? And, uh, and uh, 
the Lord started to talk to him, you know, in the inward, inward voice and said, you know, uh, why do you have a problem with that? And uh, he said, well, I was uptown and I saw him walk into this place that is inappropriate for a man of God to be walking into. And um, so why'd you use him? <clears throat> there was this other lady who's been here for years and faithful and everyone who agrees she's the most faithful spiritual person in the church. And the Lord said, well, what you don't know as that as soon as he walked in there, he shook his head kind of and like came to himself and said, <clears throat> well, I, I shouldn't even be in here. What am I doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Give me the Lord. Forgive me, Lord. <clears throat> Turned around and walked out. And the Lord said, he asked me for forgiveness. So in my eyes, he's pure and holy and totally ready to be used. He didn't do anything wrong in my eyes. And this woman, what you don't know about her is I called her to be a missionary to such and such country over, I think it was 30-some years ago, and she's been in open rebellion to me all of these years. <clears throat> and I just love that story because um, man looks at the outward appearance and outward appearance not only like what clothes are you wearing, but like how do things appear outwardly? And the way it appears to me is uh, that this guy should not have been used to do this or that or whatever, and this woman should. But the Lord, he looks at our heart. And <clears throat> I love that the Lord looks at our heart because our heart is something that we can keep right. That, you know, we may mess up because you will mess up if you haven't yet in life. Um, you'll make mistakes. I've made many of them. Uh, but the thing that I always have to run to is I try to keep my heart right before the Lord. And I say, you know what? That was not a heart choice. That was a mistake that I made through inexperience or I didn't ask enough questions or I didn't spend enough time with you, but my heart was to do the right thing. My heart was to say the right thing. If you've ever like said something to somebody and you're like, oh, I should not have said that, you know. Uh, and if you, of course, I have messed up and said things that I knew I shouldn't say and said them, got in the flesh and let the flesh overcome. But, you know, the Lord is gracious. You just ask forgiveness and gone. Like it says, he casts uh, your sins in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. So Jesus said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For uh, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. He said, shall not doubt in his heart, not in his head. So you're going to have uh, doubts will try to come to your head, uh, but you don't want to have doubts in your heart. And, um, you know, we've been talking about love the last uh, few weeks. And, um, you know, a heart of faith is a heart of love. So faith and love, they're, they're like relatives. And um, they're related. They go together. And you realize, like, um, if you love someone, like uh, a boy and a girl, a man and a woman... Um, a young couple, older couple, middle-aged couple, that uh, to the extent that you love that person, you'll remain true to them or pure to them or you'll focus on them. And um, uh, in studying faith and learning about faith, you really also have to study love. You know, faith actually works by love. That's how faith works. God is love, uh, First John tells us, that God is love. And if God is love and God's a faith God, that must mean that love must be exercised through faith. 
And, um, uh, you know, we'll get more into that in the, in the weeks to come. But faith works by love. And love and faith uh, are relatives. They go together. A heart of love is a heart of faith. Uh, let me read you 1 John chapter 4, uh, just the first few verses as we close. Beloved, let us love one another because love has its source in God. And everyone who loves has God as the source of his birth and knows God. He who does not love does not come to know God. In this, God's love is displayed within us, that God sent his only son into the world that through him we might live. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In this is love, I want to read that again, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We've said like for actually off and on for several weeks, like it's not really that impressive for us to say how much we love God, but to say how much God loves us. Not to focus on that we have faith in God and look at my faith in God. It's so amazing. It moves mountains. It does this and does that. But look at God's faith in us. God believes in you and he believes in me. He has a plan for you and a plan for me. And so we're talking about um, love. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And so even if you go back to the message we talked uh, uh, during the time of giving today, you learn that like David was able to give because God had first given to him. In fact, in the epistles we learn that no one has anything that they have not received. So in order to have uh, an accurate view of faith, we have to realize that God has given to every man the measure of faith. And that God has given to us, Romans uh, chapter 5 verse 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in abundance in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And uh, somebody said, I really like how they say it, like, um, we're supposed to have faith in God, not faith in faith. Right? So we, sometimes we look up, learn about faith, we study faith, and we start focusing our faith in faith. Like, faith can move mountains, faith can do this. That's all true, but it's actually faith in God. Like, Jesus started out the whole little teaching about faith saying, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Lay hold on the faithfulness of God. Look at how faithful God is. And when we sometimes get too focused on who God has made us in Christ, and we kind of get rid of the in Christ part and who God has made us, and we start to look at ourselves apart from being in Christ, we start to elevate ourselves, and um, you kind of get in a... a dangerous territory because God is to be magnified. God is to be glorified, not us. And um, any man that is a new creature in Christ is an amazing new creature. In fact, we're as much like God as God himself has the ability to make us. That's pretty awesome. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So I don't know about you. I know about me. I've been made a new creature when I was like four years old, and I'm 40 now, so I can do math. That's 36 years. And uh, I have acted apart from my in-Christness and didn't kind of seem like I was a new creature because I'm tapping into the flesh, I'm tapping into the mental realm, the realm of reason, but when I tap into the spirit realm where I've been made a new creature in Christ, man, it's amazing. 
And uh, Pastor Mark Hankins' father said, you know, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll sound like a genius. But if you ignore him, you know, you'll just be average, right? So um, uh, there's nothing any of us have that we haven't received that's good from God. And having traveled with um, Dad Hagen for the last few years of his life and uh, being honored to, you know, be somewhat close to him in ministry, uh, you learn that, you know, he would say all the time, too, everything I have, I, it didn't come from me. I got by revelation. The Lord showed me. And so for all of us, that's there. And the Lord has great revelation for all of us that he has ready to give. It's really based on our capacity to receive. And that's why I like the Ephesians prayers, because they open our capacity to receive. That we might receive light and revelation and understanding and um, walk more and more just like Jesus walked and live more and more just like Jesus lived. If you'll stand with me, I'd like to pray for you this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning or you're listening online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you that God loves you, that he gave his son, the life of his son for you, that Jesus set aside all of the privilege, all of the rights that he had, and... Uh, became a man so that he could reach us, so that he could become one of us and that he could conquer all of the power of the devil over us. So if you're here uh, this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can know him today. You can know that you're um, not going to hell, but you're going to heaven, that you're on your way to spend eternity with the Lord. You can become a new creature here this morning. And if that's you, I just ask you to lift up your hands. I'd love to pray with you and for you. If you're online, if you just send us an email to info at anchordc.org, we'd love to pray with you and for you and get you some materials. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. Father, I pray that as your spirit has spoken to us, as we have uh, spoken your word and looked upon your word, Father, that each and every um, nugget, each and everything that you have for us, uh, that you want um, to penetrate us more deeply and to thereby change us, Father, that each and every word would not pass from our remembrance, Father, but that your spirit would remind us, Father, that you'll give us opportunities to act on your word this week, this day, Father, that we can step out in faith and say, I have faith in God because my God is alive. Father, we thank you for your love that you've given us to love each other with. Father, I pray that um, our church, but not only our church, but that the whole church of Jesus Christ, your body, Father, that your love would dominate us more and more and more, Father, that uh, you'd lay upon the heart of your ministers to direct our attention to walking in love, to living in love, and to exercising our faith through your love. Father, we thank you that... Uh, you're a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace. Father, we pray that this whole area, that your love would be magnified and glorified, that ministers of the gospel, that each and every one of us in our daily, weekly, monthly Christian life would walk in the love of Christ, would be the difference in the lives of people that don't know Jesus.
Father, we just declare Jesus is Lord, and he is our Lord, and he is our Savior. Father, we give you glory, and we give you praise, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.